Welcome, everybody. It's the Locked On Eagles podcast. What's going on? It's Louis DiBiase. As always, join you here on this uh, Tuesday edition of the show. As always, alongside my co-host, Gino Camilleri. So, Gino, taking a couple days here to take a breather, take a look back from the NFL draft. And, of course, you had some iconic moments on Thursday's live show, and you came away pretty happy, especially since they got your boy, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. But now that you've had a couple days to kind of take a step back what did you think overall about how the whole draft went over the weekend yeah i'm still waiting for you to uh put those up so i can listen to them again i'm really dying to hear what i, I said know, I'm st- I kind of blacked out at a lot of those picks because some <laughs> of them just absolutely were mind-blowing but i after taking a step back assessing some of the other draft classes all in all i i think this eagles team walked away with some pretty good value at pretty important positions that are going to benefit this team going forward i mean you just look at it right off the bat howie roseman kept preaching it that they never even thought that they literally threw the idea around as a joke that andre dillard would be there at 25 or even near the 20s because they thought he was a top 10 player all day of the week and so did plenty of scouts so did basically I'd say probably 75% of the draft community think that this guy could be one of the top two or three tackles taken off the board. They got an absolute gem at a position that, how many years have we been saying it, Lou? Probably back to 2012, we got to get JP's replacement. We got to get JP's replacement. We've been saying that for how many years? And finally we did. And I think you walk out of that first round feeling great. You go into the second day with two high picks. You still have 53 and 57. Supposedly, the report is that they were going to trade out of 57 when uh, the Chiefs jumped them from Meikle Hardman. They decided to stay. Jets wanted Hardman, right? Yep. Yeah, the Jets wanted Hardman, and they were going to take them at 57, and they were going to get 68 and 105. I think so. That would have been another set. No. 68 is an early third, and you would have accumulated a compensatory fourth or an early fifth-round pick, which would have been good value. There's still a lot of guys on the board that we like there. And unfortunately, the Chiefs had a a little situation with Tyreek Hill, and that's how things play out. That's the butterfly effect of the NFL, and that's what makes it awesome. And we're sitting here. Would I have loved Miko Hardman? Absolutely. But you know my affection for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside that one day walking into the studio just throwing out the idea thinking it's absolutely crazy and they end up walking away with a guy who I think could potentially be a 1A or even a 1B to Elshon and just have that, that two towers type offense that Chicago ran a couple years back. And all in all, I'm very satisfied with this draft class. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're going to get some day one contributions from Miles Sanders. I still think our Sega Whiteside is going to play a good amount next year, even mm-hmm. if he's the fourth guy I mean, in the red zone. There's going to be packages where – and also, I mean, he was the best receiver last year, most efficient when it comes to third and fourth downs in all of FBS. So oh, absolutely. That, that's a player that, you know, in, in short yardage situations, if Deshaun Jackson's struggling or Aguilar, regardless, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to utilize him in specific packages. So, yeah, overall, too, and I did a takeaway podcast yesterday, overall, I was really happy, even though there was only five picks, it's really about the quality of those picks. Would I have liked to keep that fourth and six, of course, but if Andre Dillard oh, ends up becoming the next Jason Peters and you man that left tackle spot for another decade throughout Carson mm-hmm. Wentz's career then no one's going to be looking back and saying, oh, that fourth and six, we should have that back. But uh, today what we're going to do on the show, since 
we got into all the Eagles related stuff yesterday on Saturday on Friday and for five hours on Thursday throughout <laughs> that live show, which was a whole lot of fun. We had Dude, my voice was hurting the next day. That was, that <laughs> yeah. was a struggle. <laughs> uh, there was just so much the, the adrenaline though. I mean, I, the board just fell in a way that it's incredible. We just never tr- expected. It's truly one of the greatest spectacles in sports because it really is. I mean, you can predict. I'd say literally every sport. Like you can predict the Super Bowl to be right. You can predict a Daytona 500 winner to be right. right. But if you can sit here and tell me with 100% honesty that you can get more picks right in the NFL draft than you would in the NCAA tournament, you're absolutely crazy. Because the NFL just keeps you on the edge of your toes at all times. And guys like Mike Mayock and John Gruden and Dave Gettleman keep it interesting. And it's my favorite night of the year. And I think if you listen to any of our four-and-a-half to five-hour segment that we did, you really saw the emotion and what we were going through because we've put so much time into this, and it was really cool to see how it unfolded. And it literally kept us on our toes from the start at 8 p.m. all the way till the finish at, at midnight. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Mayock, you mentioned Gettleman. We reacted to other, I mean, the Eagles pick at 22 was super exciting to see them move up right in front of Houston mm-hmm. and grab Diller. But at the same time, I mean, it started at pick four with the Cleveland Farrell pick with the Giants taking Daniel Jones and then Dexter Lawrence. There was a lot to take in, a lot of surprises on day one. And that's what we're getting into today. It's some of the winners and losers of the NFL draft just going around the league, what teams benefited from it. You know, of course, on paper, because there's, of course, some teams that we're going to say right now, oh, draft grades, they get a C, and then they end up having the best class you you never know but on paper right now we'll get into who looks the most promising after the draft and also in our final segment one player that won the draft based on what their team did for them and one player that uh, didn't benefit as much so that's what's coming up today on the Lockdown Eagles podcast if you miss any of our past shows of course as always we are up on every podcast platform and on LockdownEagles.com so maybe you're on your desktop computer at work you can listen to us on the website or on Twitter at LockdownBirds and at DiBiaseLOE and at Gino underscore LOE so Gino for this first segment I want to get into a couple teams each that we thought were winners and I think the Eagles are obviously a team in our minds that came away with some really good talent. But what was another team around the NFL that you thought did really good on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Yeah, uh, one team that has, in the past two years, drafted my favorite safety, the Los Angeles Chargers. I I don't know how in back-to-back years you can get Derwin James and Nasir Adderley in two simultaneous draft classes, like, I don't know how great these two are going to be together, but I can't wait to see it because these are two of the most versatile safeties we've seen in the past couple draft classes. You saw what Derwin did on on tape last year. Nasir Adderley, a small school guy, is going to come in there, make that defense, that one weak point of their defense, which they address their two weak points of their defense, the second safety and their defensive tackle. You get Jerry Tillery, a guy that, Lou, we said at 25, it was just a little too rich for our taking, but if we drop back a couple spots, we would love to take him at the end of that round. That's exactly what they did. They grabbed him right ahead of Seattle because I knew Seattle was going to take him. Everybody knew Seattle was going to take him. They knew they had to grab him. You couple them with Ingram and Bosa and the rest of the rotational guys they have on that defense, they are going to be a force. Coupled with guys who are good friend Lou, Trey Pipkins, they grabbed his gem out of Sioux Falls. Yeah, (laughs) 
in the third in the third round. That's a great pick. Drew Tranquil, one of the better linebackers in the class. Easton Stick, the the potential heir to what many thought would be the Eagles pick, ends up going to the Chargers. Fits in perfectly to sit behind Philip Rivers for a couple years. I just read a tweet that said they even might use him like uh, Taysom Hill, which would be crazy because he's a very good athlete, and you wow, could yeah. absolutely do that. And then a guy in, in the late rounds, Cortez Broughton, a guy that I, I've seen his name come up in conversations for potentially being in those fifth and sixth rounds. So they had great value from start to finish. I think they were a team that was right on the cusp of being a, a perennial Super Bowl contender for the couple years that Phillip Rivers is going to be around, I think they absolutely solidified it with this draft class. Yeah, the Chargers is under the radar have just been building a juggernaut in the oh, AFC West the past couple years. Their defense is unbelievable, and so is their offense, man. I, I'm i really excited to see what they can do this year. Yeah, that division's going to be really interesting. Mel Kuyper actually said the Raiders are a team that he thinks is going to win the division. I didn't think uh, the Raiders yeah. are not in my win column. Yeah, Jeff um, Cleland fell at four. You might not. <laughs> yeah. You might win the first pick next year. Um, and a team for me though that I came away really impressed with was a team that actually got a lot of I would say a bad rap on Thursday, and it was the Arizona Cardinals mainly because a lot of people looked mm-hmm. back at what they gave up for Rosen, and they said, you know, I mean looking at all the competition they gave up and only to then get rid of him for one pick. Like, I understand that point, but at the same time, I'm really glad that the Cardinals put their ego to the side and knew that they were going to get bad publicity, but they still ended up taking a guy that they believed was going to be better than Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. And not only that, but they supplied him with a boatload of talent. I really liked what they came away with. I mean, they get Byron Murphy at pick 33, one of the better, I think he was probably the consensus top corner in the the draft, and then you end up adding the two best deep receiving, from Pro Football Focus's perspective, the two leaders in deep receiving yards, which is plays, I think, 20-plus yards down the field. And Kyler Murray, we all know one of his strong suits is throwing the ball down the field. Of course, you you remember the connections he had with Hollywood Brown at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. They go out, and they add Andy Isabella at pick 60. and then That's a great pick for Kyler. And then they add Hakeem Butler in the fourth round, a player that was my wide receiver too. I thought he was going to be a first-round pick. You had that guy in the fourth round. Those two were the best at deep receiving yards, and that, again, is a pro football focus stat, and that's Kyler Murray's strong suit. So you add those two now with David Johnson, Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk. I mean, Kyler's going to come in with a pretty good supporting cast. The offensive line is still a problem, but then, I mean, you got Byron Murphy now. We'll see what happens with Patrick Peterson, but you got a great cornerback duo now. Zach Allen at pick 65 on the edge out of Boston College. You have Chandler Jones there. I really liked what the Cardinals did. Um, who's another play, Who's another team for you, if you can think of another one, that really came away with an impressive draft class in 2019? So I always say that Howie Roseman is the second best GM in football right. because there's one guy that is just light years beyond everybody, and that is Bill Belichick. He started the draft with 14 picks. You know nobody ever ends up with the same amount that they drafted with, but right. they ended with 10. For a team that was already complete, they let most of their high-profile guys walk because they had to because they knew that they would get high-end comp picks next year. They might have three third-round picks next year in all reality. They come away with Nikhil Harry at the end of the first round. I literally dropped my jaw and said that is the that is a Patriots pick. That was just the perfect Patriots pick. A guy that is going to come in, he's going to be Julian Edelman. He's going to be a guy you can toss all over. You could toss him inside. You could toss him outside. He's going to win into those in those intermediate areas. Bill is going to scheme him open all day long. Their offense is a death by a thousand cuts offense. 
who fits that better than a guy like Nikhil Harry? You get the ball in his hand in space, he's just going to cause all sorts of nightmares. You thought the AFC East had it bad with Edelman and Walker and Amendola? Just wait until Nikhil Harry gets there. He's going <laughs> to be an true. absolute stud. Then you they go into the got second. Chase Winovich, right in the third. Round. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like they get Winovich, Damian Harris, and Yadni Kajust in the third round. Get out of here, man! Like Winovich was. Lars said it that he thought he would fall to the third round, and he did, and he fell know, to the I'm perfect shocked. team, a team that is going to use him at, at the outside linebacker position because he isn't the biggest edge, and he's a guy that's going to fill that Trey Flowers position. It's the perfect matchup. Then Damian Harris, a perfect New England uh, running back, isn't the flashiest guy, is good in pass protection, is going to get you consistent yardage. That's all New England running backs do. And then Yanni Kajust, like an absolute beast, of an offensive tackle, you just lose Trenton Brown and you replace them in Kajust. You could go on to the rest of their class and it's just as good. Just I'll just name it real quick. Hajalti Froholt, who was in, the Eagles had interest in. Jarrett Stidham lands in a perfect place for him to develop behind Brady and Belichick. He needed to learn the mental side of that game coming from that offense. think it's a perfect pick for them in the fourth round. Brian Cowart, Jake Bailey, another punter because they get the best punters in the game always. And then Ken Webster in the last in the seventh round. I just think an absolute grand slam of a draft class for this team that was literally the Super Bowl champions last year and had my favorite draft class outside of I'm going to say the team that you're going to say next is draft class. And I, I thought they, those two blew it out of the water compared to everybody else. So I hate to say it because I went into this whole month thinking – with hearing the reports, even just the day of the draft, of the start of the first round on Thursday, you heard Dan Snyder is taking over the, the board, he is taking over the war room, and this is going to be a Dan Snyder draft from Washington. And I'm laughing, I'm thinking, oh man, they're going to we move up. We all were. Yeah, we all I mean, were, man. I'm thinking, they're going to move up for Daniel Jones, it's going to be an RG3 move all over again, but it's for a player, like, I liked RG3 before he got hurt, and Daniel Jones was not a player that mm-hmm. a whole lot of people really were high on. The Giants end up doing it, and that... I mean, I don't know if Washington was just doing that to kind of scare New York, but mm-hmm. regardless, I mean, Washington sat on their their hands. They they sat at their pick in the first round. They take Dwayne Haskins in the first round, and that's a good move because I'm thinking yeah, last year when they trade for Alex Smith and they give him a contract extension, it's like, oh, Washington's just signing up for mediocrity mm-hmm. for the next, you know, 10 years with Alex Smith right. and Adrian Peterson. But, I mean, they go with Dwayne Haskins in the first round. Montez Sweat, to me, was a steal where they got him in the 20s. I think a lot of it had to do with that heart condition that was apparently misdiagnosed, according to Ian Rappaport at the Combine. Sweat was a guy, to me, that I thought was going to be a top-10 player with his athleticism and upside on the edge. Then they add Terry McLaurin in the third round. When you talk about him versus Paris Campbell, those two Ohio State receivers, McLaurin's the more well-rounded guy, and he still clocked in it in the four threes in his 40 times. So those three picks are home runs to start. Then you get Bryce Love in the fourth. I mean, you have him and Geis now with Thompson. As they a have nice a loaded trio. backfield. Yeah, I mean, they're... they're and Samaji Pirine, like, you can't even forget about him either. Yeah, and I guess they re-signed Adrian Peterson, so I, I don't know what's going to happen with all that, but, I mean, Bryce Love was a Heisman candidate just a couple years ago. And then in the sixth round, to me, an absolute steal. Someone that I thought was going to be, again, it just, this is how the draft went. It just how the draft went was, players you think are going to be in round one, some of them didn't even end up getting drafted until the final day, and one of them was Kelvin Harmon, the receiver from NC State. He was my wide receiver four behind only DK, who another guy that fell all the way to the bottom of the second. I only had Hakeem Butler and uh, Hollywood Brown higher, 
And the Redskins get him in the sixth round. I mean, Kelvin Harmon's going to come in right away. A lot of comparisons to Alshon Jeffrey. And they needed a wide receiver desperately. And I think mm-hmm. they got a starter in the sixth round. So I was really, unfortunately, but got to put my tip my hat to him. I was really impressed with Washington. 100%. I was texting my old roommate. Uh, he's a Redskins fan, and we used to sit there and watch the drafts. He actually called the year that Marcus we drafted Marcus Smith. I was like, He's like, what's the one position you would hate to see them pick? And I go, linebacker. And he goes, I will bet you that they pick a linebacker. And sure as <laughs> shit, they picked the, the worst yeah. possible pick in Marcus Smith. But besides the point, I was telling him, like, man, as much as I hate to admit it, you guys are absolutely killing this draft. He's like, I just need a number one quarterback, a number one receiver for Haskins. I'm like, dude, you might have got two of them in McLaurin and Harmon. Like, those guys can develop. Like, both of them can create separation. That's what you need at the NFL level. You see these guys all the time, and I'm I'm guessing that's why Hakeem Butler fell is because his lack of separation, how he had to use that push-off move at the top of his stem that you would see from time to time. But in the NFL, a big guy like Kelvin Harmon and then Terry McLaurin, who's an absolute speed double, these guys are going to get open. And for a guy like Haskins, give him some weapons, and they did exactly that. And like you said, Dan Snyder was taking over the draft room. We thought that was going to be great. This is the worst case scenario, and they actually did great for once in this draft. And I, I hats off to them. I, I like to see it be interesting and make, like when the NFC East is competitive. So that that puts Washington one step in the right direction. Not to mention Darius Geis is going to be coming back off that torn ACL, <laughs> someone that was tearing up in the summer before he got hurt. A player that was my RB two last year. Um, you know, I, I think Washington. I think how they look week one is going to be very different than how they look at the end of the season because give Calvin Harmon time, give Terry McLaurin time. Honestly, I think those are going to be their two starting receivers at some point this year. I'm high on Mm -hmm. Harmon. I can't believe he fell to round six, and I don't think just because he fell that way that he's still not going to meet that potential, in my opinion. So I think that was an absolute great value pick. So Washington killed it. I thought Arizona, you know, New England – There was a lot of good draft classes this year, on paper at least, for a lot of teams. Coming up next, though, we're going to get into some of the teams that, on paper, don't look too hot. I think you'll know (laughs) one team that we'll get into. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles, and we're sponsored today, guys, by ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be really hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, but today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. It's ZipRecruiter.com, and it's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter says your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And how about this? ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That's right, 80% on the first day. And right now, my listeners on Lockdown Eagles can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash Lockdown. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Lockdown. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, everybody, welcome back to Lockdown Eagles. It's Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri on this Tuesday edition of the show, kind of really putting a, uh, a wrap on the NFL draft by getting into some winners and losers. We did winners in the first segment. We'll get into players in segment three. But for now, Gino, who is the first team that comes to your mind when it comes to the team that absolutely bombed the draft? All right, so I said I like the NFC East to be competitive, but one <laughs> team I could care less if they're competitive with us is the Dallas Cowboys. This is 
I'm trying to be as least biased as possible, but I really think they had a poor draft. Like, I just think they reached a ton of times in this class. I mean, Tristan Hill in the second round, way too rich for my liking. I I thought he was more, like, closer to the end of of round three, early round four. Connor McGovern, another one, another reach in my opinion. Tony Pollard in the fourth was shocking to me because – just listen to some of the names that went after him. You got you got guys like Raquel Armstead out of Temple, Travion Williams, Ty Johnson out of Maryland, Travis Homer, Dexter Williams, Rodney Anderson, our boy Darwin Thompson. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that we compared to almost like that James was it James Washington or James Williams out of uh, James Williams, yeah. Williams out of Washington State. That's why I got confused. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, so we compared him that style, that pass catching back that we thought would be like that sixth round, seventh round option for the Eagles if they were going to go that way. Ends up going three rounds ahead of where we even thought he would be. A very good, intriguing athlete. Athlete, but you have uh, who did they get from the Rams? Why can't Didn't I think they, of Tavon Austin? No. Tavon Austin. Yeah. That's the same player. Like That's you were what just I was too, when the you same exact player as you already have on your team. You could wait to get a guy like that. In undrafted free agency, like you don't need to draft him as your third pick overall in the fourth round. I don't see it. I mean, Joe Jackson, I, I think that's probably the highlight of this draft for agree, me. Yeah. They double up and go running back with Mike Weber out of Ohio State. Another guy that's another pass catching back. I don't, I don't get it. I know they need one for Zeke, but you just added Pollard. Why waste another pick on another pass catching back? And then Jalen Jelks, I... As much as I love my Oregon Ducks, I could care less for Jalen Jokes. He fell off the map for me in 2018. Really lost his edge in the pass rush game. Couldn't figure out how to put together a pass rush plan to save his life. If there was a, a manual in front of him, he couldn't even follow it. But, yeah, overall, I think this is poor for them. I think they reached at a lot of positions. I like the Jackson Twins that they picked in the middle rounds. I thought those were good positions of need for them, defensive end and cornerback. But, Besides that, I think they should have went safety a lot earlier. They miss out on Earl Thomas. That was their their big plan. They don't even go safety early. I think they reached on Tristan Hill, like I said. And just all in all, I, I think it was a little disappointing. I mean, I, I would like to see them do good, but at the same time, I'm, this is a Jerry Jones draft class. Yeah, I was confused with the Pollard pick and the Mike Weber pick because you already had mm-hmm. that gadget-like player in Austin. And with Zeke, I mean, he's going to be your bell cow no matter what, so – I mean, doubling down on two potential yeah, players in the backfield yeah. with with Weber. I mean, Pollard's someone I guess we compared him a lot to Curtis Samuel because he mm-hmm. he's going to play some receiver too for you. But I mean, with that guy already going to be playing in your backfield with Zeke taking up what eighty, I mean ninety percent of your touches back there, doubling down on that didn't really make sense to me. And mm-hmm. the other team in the NFC East that didn't do well, I thought Washington came away as a winner. So did Philadelphia. The Giants, however. Did not. They look if you if you believe in your guy and you don't think he's going to be there with your second pick. I understand the logic in taking him at six, but the, who it was in Daniel Jones. I just I, I even went back yesterday. I tried giving him the benefit of the doubt, and I went back to the tape and just was like, let me see if I can find anything that I mm-hmm. like in him. And I just I was just like, Meh. I feel like I'm watching Ryan Tannehill. It's just nothing. You're watching really... a week four preseason game. Yeah, that's exactly what I, what I felt like. And mm-hmm. I just I see I don't see anything special or unique about him. To be a six overall pick, I think Haskins later on in the first was an absolute steal compared to Daniel Jones. So I think that might be something that comes back to bite the Giants. And they take a nose tackle with their second first round pick with a lot of good defensive linemen still on the board. They go with Dexter Lawrence. I don't know, man. I just the Giants. You look at what they ended up getting in return for the Odell Beckham trade, and it just does not seem worth it now. No, a hundred percent. And uh, 
they put side by side what the trades were for Seattle trading that first round pick to like move back a couple spots and then what Dallas gave up and what they got out or what the Giants gave up and what they got back from it and the Seattle got like Ugo Amadi and they got a bunch of stud they got DK Metcalf out of it and and then they showed what the Giants got and it's like Jabril Preppers, O'Shea Zimenez and Daniel Jones and it's like that was just a disaster. They they just had a disaster draft or no it was Dexter Lawrence cuz that was their second pick but yeah man we I I said it to you walking down the stairs when we were on commercial break I go what if the Giants just just breaking your chops just if they draft Dexter Lawrence what would we do? <laughs> and we just laughed it off, didn't think it was a possibility. And then we hear, yeah. with the 17th overall pick, the New York Giants select Dexter Lawrence. And we just looked at each other in amazement that Dave Gettleman had the audacity to draft a nose tackle and a quarterback that, frankly, I probably wouldn't have even drafted. I'm surprised Clayton Thorson didn't go before him, you know? Like, that's, that's something that Dave Gettleman would do, and it's... I, I want to leave every ounce of money of gold I have to him when I die because he has made me so happy to see that they actually drafted Daniel Jones and crushed the hearts and souls of all Giants fans. And you could just see the reactions on Twitter because that was a bad pick. There were reports that GMs even said it was just outrageous of a pick that he would have been there at 17 and that they could have moved back. And I think he's just making up the thing about Washington. And I think they really played their play, Washington played their hand really well, th- convincing the Giants that they would take Jones because they had the intention of taking Haskins all along. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, too, with Jones, it's similar treatment last year to Josh Allen as a prospect, but I don't think Jones offers nearly the amount of I mean, upside you could that see Allen it did. with Josh Allen, though. Like, right, what yeah. do you, like, you could see the, like, I'll give him it. Like, he had some flash plays in college, for sure. Exactly. Daniel Jones, like, what do you point to? I was going to say, I don't see the flash <laughs> Like, what do you that, look at? I never saw the flash plays there. I, I kept trying to look at it, and you don't see the arm strength that Allen had. Mm-hmm. Even the mobility, I mean, he's... He, he can move, but it's not like world beating. There's there's right. nothing special about him for me, and that's and I'm not I'm not banking I'm not hitching my wagon to him, and that's what Gettleman did. If Daniel Jones flames out, David Gettleman's done. All right, Lou. Let me let me put this scenario out in front of you. Right. I show you Tyree Jackson's best game in college, and I show you Daniel Jones's best game in college. You have no background knowledge. You have no idea who these two are. Who do you think is going to wow you more? Oh, it would have been easily Tyree Jackson. I hundred percent. I don't sadly, see any wow out of Daniel yeah. Jones. I just don't understand what he saw. And they they don't. Ha- it's not like they have the wet. They don't have Odell Beckham anymore to make wow. <laughs> who's he gonna? Yeah, who's he gonna throw it to? Uh, Golden Tate apparently is what they're going with. <laughs> yeah, sure. So yeah, I just I don't see it either. And I mean, again, if he ends up panning out, then nothing else really matters that they've done. But. Just uh, not not a prospect that I would have hitched my wagon nope. to. Who's one more team before we hit a break for you that lost the 2019 draft as of April 30th? Yeah, uh, just Chicago Bears. I mean, you couldn't have looked at a poor class. I mean, they only had five picks total. Their first one came in the third round, which they picked David Montgomery. It is good to replace Jordan Howard, but then you go up and you double down and you only have – five picks and use two of them on running back it didn't make sense for me at all and you go Riley Ridley at the wide receiver position I think you're fine at wide receiver you lose Adrian Amos in free agency who is arguably one of your MVPs of your defense at the safety position really quarterbacks that core for them because he has all the range in the world and you go out and sign HaHa Clinton Dix who's a box safety to make up for and don't draft one of these rangy safeties like I mean 
on the board at that time, let me just just list some of the names that would have been there for them. I mean, you had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was still on the board. Guys that we liked, like Evan Worthington, were still on the board. Uh, I mean, who else? Deontay Thompson was still on the board. Ugo Amati. They had plenty of options to go out and get guys, but they just didn't. And they didn't really replace areas of need for me. And I, I think you're going to see a downfall because that defense isn't going to carry them as far as they did last year. Do you get more weapons weapons for Trubisky? Yes. Does he have to come out and prove some more that he can win those big games? Of course. He's got to have back-to-back good seasons, in my opinion. But the defense is what carried them, and you saw that, and that was the talk all year long. And you don't go out and replace any of them? I, I just think... You really missed the boat here, Chicago, because I thought Green Bay had another good draft again. Minnesota beefed up their off, their offensive line, really solidified their positions of need. And Detroit didn't have the greatest draft, but they're still stepping in the right direction. They're not going to be a pushover as much as they were last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chicago fall a little bit in this division for not for thinking that they could just go out and replace these guys with players that, frankly, don't fit their scheme. Yeah, I like the David Montgomery pick, but again, I, I with the limited amount of resources they had, I don't think they handled it really that well. Mm-hmm. I really like that they got Emmanuel Hall undrafted. I think that was a yeah, good, that was that's steal. a good addition. Um, but yeah, but overall, then why are you drafting Riley Ridley? Yeah, like, that's what, yeah, yeah, that's what I don't get because when we were looking at Emmanuel Hall, like he's going to give you everything. Riley Ridley's he's a, a good route runner, but you just got Anthony Miller, who's a very good route runner last year. Like Dude, what I thought. I thought Emmanuel Hall was going to be a second-round pick. It just goes to show. We both did. Oh, man. It was just the value in the the boards, really, themselves. Just, I guess, we did not. I mean, even a guy like I I mentioned the Cardinals being a winner. They got Deontay Thompson in the fifth round, another Mm -hmm. player I didn't even mention out of Alabama. Safety I really liked. So, um, we just, (laughs) man, boards were apparently different than the NFL draft media, really. So, But, yeah, Chicago didn't have a lot of picks. I wasn't really overly over the moon about what they did either. And then the final team for me that I didn't think had a great draft was Houston. I just thought the minute that they yeah. missed out on Dillard, they were scrambling and they reached on Titus Howard, a player that I, I liked. I thought he would have been, I would have justified taking him in the second round, but I really do think they panicked. I, I would have rather mm-hmm. had Jaywan Taylor there. I think that if they just would have sat and calmed down and took Taylor, that would have been the better pick. And, Again, they, they reached on that other offensive lineman on day two. Just wasn't a fan of what the Texans did to build around Watson. Yeah, I agree. I, we, I do like the Amenahu pick, though. I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit on that one on day three. But the Titus Howard pick, again, like you said, I, I really do think they panicked. Yeah, everybody knew that they did. And that's what that pick was. I mean, he's going to be, to pick him there, he's your second tackle on the board behind Andre Dillard. And the Eagles, they were smart. Because we, we were hearing all day that they're trading up for Hollywood Brown, like throwing out a smokescreen. They're trading up for Hollywood Brown. And I really think that was to deter the Texans from wanting to move up because they had this idea that the Eagles were going to go up, take Hollywood Brown. Ah, oh, good point. Then they could just sit there and get Andre Dillard. But the Eagles, they have done it two years in a row. And Howie Roseman has his hand on the pulse better than any GM. Last year, he jumps ahead of the Cowboys, who that day, Jason Witten retires and they need a tight end. And there's a fabulous tight end sitting there, staring them in the face. And the Philadelphia Eagles come in and snatch Dallas right out of Dallas's hand. And they do the same thing this year with Dillard in front of Houston. They panicked after that happened. I mean, they only had 10 minutes to make the selection, and whew, those were a rough 10 minutes in that war room. I can't imagine how that went. 
I would have took Cody Ford even too. I know he. Oh fell yeah, to the Bills I can't in the believe he fell to the Bills. That's they had two guys that I can't. Believe. That's another team that had a good class. Agreed. I do think the Bills did really well with Oliver Ford. The single. And they didn't have to trade thing. for any of them. That's right. They didn't yeah. have to trade up to get either Cody Ford or Ed Oliver. They just what, took advantage of the board falling in their favor, much like the Eagles did. You know what? One thing that I mentioned that. I just is crazy to me is two teams that always have arguably some of the best players fall to them. The Jets, the last four years have just had their guy fall to them. Right. The the year they wanted uh, Leonard Williams, he falls to them. The year they wanted Jamal Adams, he falls to them. The year they wanted Sam Darnold, he falls to them. The year they wanted Quinnen, he falls to them. They just get lucky every single time. And then Jacksonville. The last, what was it? What year did they draft Ramsey and Jack? Was that three years uh, ago? 2017. No, I'm sorry. That was the Zeke and Wentz year, so 2016. 2016. So that year, both Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey were projected top five picks. And they got them in back-to-back picks in consecutive rounds and didn't have to move a selection to get them. And then this year, they grabbed Josh Allen. And then on the back end, they get their left tackle the future in Juwan Taylor. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I agree. Jacksonville did really well too. When we take a, we're going to take one more break here. When we come back to wrap up the show, me and Gino, we're going to get into one player each that won and lost the draft as well, from based on what their team did. So that's coming up right here as we wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Okay, everybody, we are wrapping up the show on this Tuesday edition. Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri, thanks for tuning in. It's the winners and losers edition of the show, NFL Draft edition. So we did some teams that won the draft, did some teams that lost. How about a player, Gino, that came away looking a lot better with whatever their team did in the draft? I mean... You have to like what the Bills did for Josh Allen. I mean, you get him Cody Ford, who's arguably one of the top three tackles in the class. Agreed, yeah. He's going to be his bookend, his blindside tackle. You go out and get Singletary for him as well, and you get another good tight end in Dalton Knox. And I was t- talking to a couple of my friends who are Bills fans and saying, Dalton Knox, any other year, he's going to be like a, a second or third round pick. It was just, there were so many tight ends. Like he's an unbelievable tight end. He has very good receiving ability. I think he's going to help the bills out a ton in that department, something they really didn't get last year. And I think the bills went in there and they did everything right. And not to mention they had Ed Oliver at nine. I mean, Josh Allen should be happy being the quarterback of the bills this upcoming season. Agreed. I think they really did well. Yeah, and, and it helps Josh Allen if that defense continues to be as good as they exactly. were last year. I mean, yep. Allen came in last year. He could run around the field, make plays by himself with Isaiah McKenzie to throw to, and he still ended up going 5-6 and six as a starter with how good that defense played on the other mm-hmm. side. I agree. Allen came away as a winner. For me, another guy in that class last year of the quarterbacks in the first round that looks a lot better after this weekend was Lamar Jackson. The Ravens go out. They're the oh, ones definitely. that they Hollywood Brown goes at 25, but it goes to a different bird team. It's Baltimore and Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. They lost John Brown and Lamar never really got to get on that, that right page with Brown. I think he was struggling with accuracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he comes in mid season. They ran the football a whole lot. So he didn't throw enough to me to 
really get into a rhythm and really develop. And at the same time, you know, he's going to take a little bit. So they lose John mm-hmm. Brown, but I'm glad that they added that speed factor still to Lamar's game because if you're going to continue to give him Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed to throw to, I don't know how he's ever going to develop into the full quarterback that you want him to be, I would feel like, mm-hmm. if you're going to take him in the first round. If you wanted him to be your Taysom Hill, then you did what they actually did at the end of this draft and took Trace McSorley. So I think Lamar Jackson looks good not only because of that, but they also add that speed back to Mark Ingram in the backfield. Now you got Lamar back there, you got Ingram, and now you add Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Day three, really good value there. Fast running back to me was probably the just straight line speed, the fastest running back of this class. So I think Lamar Jackson looks really good as well. But the guy that, by the way, he replaced in Joe Flacco, he was a loser coming out of this draft. Drew Locke was the second-round pick. I thought he was going to go in the first to Denver, but I think mm. Gino Flacco has officially reached bridge quarterback status, and it sucks, but a quarterback, the minute it's funny, when you fall into that status, I don't think you ever get out, and with Locke, it's only a matter of time now. Now the clock's ticking. Second-round pick's still high enough with the the reports of how high LA was on him anyway. He ends up taking him. The clock's ticking now with Locke when he gets on the field, so with Flacco, this has now happened in back-to-back years, Hate to say it for Joe, but uh, it looks like he's in uh, QB purgatory when it comes to bridge quarterbacks. Yeah, and he's been there for a while. Ever since he won the Super Bowl, I feel he hasn't really wowed me. But, yeah, they go out and get Noah Fant. I think that's a pretty good play there, but it does hurt him. And Drew Locke is the guy. He He's John Elway's quarterback. Like, it is. Yeah, it is. He's the John Elway quarterback. And <laughs> we knew for a long time, everybody knew for a long time, it was the – it was, it was so like obvious. Big, it was so obvious. It was the biggest secret that everybody knew in the NFL, and it happened. But, yeah, Flacco's just on his way out. It's unfortunate he gets probably canned by two rookie quarterbacks in consecutive seasons. Is there any other player we can think of that really didn't – his status was not helped after the weekend? I mean, another yeah, quarterback? I'm, I'm going to mention the Eagles one more time here. Okay. And it's Halapuli Vati Vaitai. Ah, I like it. Okay. It doesn't help his value in regards to being on the Philadelphia Eagles, but it helps us that we can potentially move him in a trade because you hear the affection that this team has for Jordan Maialata and how much Stoutland wants to put into him and how much they have invested in him and already. They invested a draft pick into this kid, and he's a guy that they really think can develop into being something. They don't know what it is. Do you think, real quick, do you think Maialata can play guard? I was talking about it yesterday. Is that a possibility? That idea kicked into my head because they like their guards to be athletic. They like to get them to the second level. You see how much they pull Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey and Sayamalu? Yeah. Dude, imagine a guy who can run. What do he run, like a 4-6 or something? He bananas? Was, yeah, it was it was pretty fast. And again, I said yesterday, if Sayamalu eventually becomes that center, I could easily see Maialata moving in at left guard. Yeah, I mean, if you can develop his footwork, I would love to see him get a couple snaps there cool, this yeah. year. It would be very intriguing to me. I think it would be just an even more closer evolution to this West Coast offense that this Eagles team is playing, just slowly evolving into a college offense, like more athletic tackles, but can also like be really good in run blocking, which is this weird hybrid that they're developing. And I absolutely love it because the way their offense is moving is just something that the NFL really hasn't seen. And Big V just doesn't fit the mold anymore for them. They're moving to this more athletic, like move the offense, move the pocket for Carson Wentz, 
Big V just doesn't fit the bill for them. But if you can move him out of town, I, I sure would like to get a at least a sixth round pick for him next year. That would be ideal. But yeah, he couldn't have been happy when they saw Andre Dillard's name called on uh, last Thursday. Let's keep an eye on the Houston situation again. Maybe we can uh, we can get, take advantage of him again. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm down with that. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. If you missed, again, any of our past shows, they're up and available on any platform that you subscribe to the podcast. And if you do subscribe, we hope you also can leave us a five-star rate Hopefully a review as well. The listener feedback over the past couple months has been awesome. And, of course, the conversation goes on on Twitter at LockedOnBirds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, and, as always, at Gino underscore L-O-E. For my co-host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.